Hey, and welcome to the Diagnosis Infertility Podcast, where tears, encouragement, and laughter will fill your soul. My name is Andrea, and my medical chart reads infertility. But I prefer to think of myself as an IVF warrior. Because even though I now have two little humans in my house, that diagnosis not only has stayed on my medical chart, but continues to drive who I am. And when I was in the thick of it, it controlled who I was. I hated my body. I did not take care of myself. My mindset was totally off and I obsessed about getting pregnant. And maybe you can connect with that too. If so, this podcast is for you. Here, it's all about real talk and giving you validation in that annoyingly real and raw emotion through this journey. As a health and life coach, I not only want to share my journey, but set you up with success as you navigate your own fertility struggles. Buckle up, because here we go. Hi guys, and welcome to the very first episode ever of Diagnosis Infertility. I wanted to jump right in and tell you a little bit of the backstory of why we're here and really why I named the podcast Diagnosis Infertility. So the name came from me and my experience going through infertility treatment and really just my experience uh, during this with any medical treatment. So I logged on to my my chart one time, and I was looking through. They had just updated the app, and I was looking through some of the new features. And I clicked on diagnosis. I was curious of what my diagnosis is because, I mean, generally I'm pretty healthy, and I don't really know about a diagnosis. And so I clicked on it, and it said hypothyroidism. Which, duh, yes, I knew that. I have half of a thyroid. Um. And then it talked about my surgery, my partial hemithyroidectomy. And then underneath that, it said infertility. And it caught my attention because I don't know if I had ever fully grasped that that was a diagnosis for me or if I don't think anyone has ever actually given me that diagnosis yellow like told me but um I also don't know if I really took ownership of that and so it was a moment for me and I took it in whatever continued on my path but now that I have my kiddos at home my medical chart still reads infertility and I actually think it's kind of a beautiful thing in a sense because I'm very much who I am today because of my fertility journey. And even though I'm quite a bit past, like the fertility treatment and this and that, um, infertility still has a big role in who I am. And I don't really want to ever let that go because I wouldn't take back any of my experiences that I've gone through because it's just they've been such an integral part of who I am. Okay, so that's a little bit about the name. Uh, A little bit more about me. So my husband and I will be celebrating 13 years of marriage this year, which is crazy. 
I basically got married when I was a baby. I was just 21 years old, and my husband, Mark, was 25. Um, We grew up together, but that's a different story for a whole different time. Um, We actually, like, let me clarify that. We didn't actually, like, grow up together, like, grade school-wise, but once we got married, (laughs) we grew together. Um. So right out the gate, we didn't do much for birth control. I hated the response of my body. And honestly, despite the fact that we were like selling DVDs at the pawn shop just so we could go buy groceries, I always really wanted a baby. So we didn't really care if we got pregnant unexpectedly. Well, I didn't really care if we got pregnant unexpectedly. Um, But four years later... We finally were on the same page to really focus on having kids. And then, like, six months had passed. There was no luck. Nine months had passed. There was no luck. We had our first doctor visit. There was really no change. We had referral to reproductive medicine. No luck. Um, Then after six IUIs and many, many tears later, there was still no change. But we had a new plan. We did at that time go from just reproductive medicine, and we had a referral with a reproductive endocrinologist. endocrinologist. So uh, we were super excited about that new plan. Um, He told us we didn't necessarily need IVF. He really liked our plan, and he just wanted to keep going with this, this, and this and start some new medications. Um, we did all that. There was no change. And so um, Mark eventually saw a urologist, and they were the very first people to recommend IVF. And honestly, the weight of it all, the sound of IVF, absolutely terrified me. And so, and I actually, we must have, like, found that out, and then we had to, like, stain our fence at our old house. And I remember using a brush because we used a brush. We believed in brushing on our stain versus like spraying it or rolling it. So I remember like brushing this huge ass fence and thinking about the referral for IVF and thinking how scared I was and how I we just weren't there yet. Um, And so I think we tried another IUI after that, and it was completely unsuccessful. Actually, we tried three IUIs after that, and it was unsuccessful. Um, And then I ended up going to the doctor to, you know, start the next round because that was just our life. It was just like negative pregnancy tests, start a new round. Negative pregnancies, tests, start a new round. And they told us we couldn't this time because I had two largest cysts on my ovaries. And I remember sitting on the floor in our bathroom and just crying and crying and deciding we just needed a break. So we took a break for a year and then um, we built a house. We had a blast. I'll save you the details, but we had a lot of fun. And then one day I told Mark, I think I'm going to schedule my yearly appointment in preparation for IVF. And thus began our journey. So we, well, I right away just scheduled the next appointment and just took it step by step. And 
we um, met with one fertility company or like IVF company. And to be honest, they just pissed me off because I feel like they didn't really read my intake paperwork and they were trying to start me on a medication I was already on and that ticked me off that they didn't know that I was already on this medication yada 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 so I fired them and then we went to a different clinic um, in the cities and drove down there and I was so aligned and it felt so right and we just went for it we picked the next date that we could do it And thus um, began the preparation of my body for IVF, which was a very, very long process and a lot of months and a lot of protocols and a lot of timers set on my phone. But I was I stuck to it and we did it. Um, And then we got pregnant with twins. And we were just ecstatic. And uh, the people in our lives were just ecstatic. And his Mark's dad and a good family friend ended up building us two cribs. Um, we put them up in the nursery. It made me want to barf because, like, it was real. And then we went to our 20-week appointment for the twins, and we found out that one of the babies was not or did not have a heartbeat anymore. And, um, oh, my goodness, that was so devastating And probably one of the hardest things I've ever done is get up the next day and uh, nourish my body because I still had one baby alive, you know, and I still had her and she was there and beautiful and thriving. Um, And so it was so hard to just get up and nourish her and nourish me while mourning the loss of our other baby. Um, so we got through that pregnancy. We had our daughter, and she is my favorite firecracker. <laughs> She's crazy, and I wouldn't change it for the world. Um, and then two years later, we decided to go through another round of IVF, and we got pregnant with our son. We ended up transferring two embryos again, and... Um, One of them took, and I was so devastated when I found out that it was just one embryo that took and not two. Um, But I learned a lot of life things in that little bit of time. I started spotting, and so I actually thought I had lost the baby, and it turns out I just had a subchorionic bleed. And for some crazy reason, that just totally changed my mindset that I was just so grateful and thankful that I still had this baby, that I didn't lose this baby, that um, not having the twins was less of a priority to me. And then it turns out that carrying twins probably would have killed me because I ended up being on bed rest with some really, really high blood pressure with um the second pregnancy and they watched me like a hawk and I was on strict bed rest. Like we're talking, I had to go lay down after I even like showered. And so I was on bed rest for eight weeks with him and they took him early and he, there was no complication. Um, it wouldn't say a smooth delivery because it was a C-section and there's nothing smooth about that. But he got here without 
complication. I had no complication. Um, and now we have these two crazy kids in our house. And, you know, one thing <laughs> led to another. And here we are. My house is a disaster. And my peanuts are at home with me. Um, so that's a little bit of my story and how I got here. So one of the reasons why I created Diagnosis Infertility is because I've always known I was meant for something more, that this journey that I was on was meant to be shared, and that I can be an encouragement to you, to other women, to families out there that are really struggling because I didn't have that when I was going through fertility treatment. And that's one thing I really wish I had. So I just freaking created it. And here we are. Um, so what you can expect from me is we are planning to release one episode a week coming out on Wednesdays. And then once a month, I'm going to have my husband Mark on for a man's point of view. Uh, going through infertility. And then I'm hoping in a few months that I can start getting professionals from uh, my community on the podcast too as um, as an interview too to like talk about any educational things or just talk about fertility and infertility in general because overall it's such a topic that we avoid um, that I would just really love to normalize it because it freaking sucks <laughs> if we're being honest. And I would... I would love to normalize the way that uh, we as women talk about it, and I would love to normalize the way that um, uh, us as women can support our husbands in infertility, infertility treatment, but also how husbands can support us or anyone in our life, um, different partners can support us through infertility. But I also would love, too, for this to be an outlet or a way that women can feel encouraged and also maybe share with a girlfriend who doesn't quite know how to talk to you about infertility. Because, like, maybe they walk down the hallway and they can get pregnant <laughs> and are on their fourth kid. And here we are five years later eating bonbons, wishing we were, you know, fat, hot, and miserable. Um, and they are. And they just don't know quite how to interact with us. So that's what you can expect from us um, through Diagnosis Infertility. And... Here we go. Thanks for listening. Thank you for pressing play today. If you found value in today's episode or feel that someone in your life could use a burst, share this episode on social media. Don't forget to tag me in it so I can give you a shout out. Or send it to your husband, a friend, or even your mom right now. Sometimes we need to share what resonates with us so other people can understand too. And remember, maybe it's time to stop being afraid of what can go wrong and start being excited about what can go right. You've got this. You are doing a great job. Until next time.